Have you ever felt that worry? It kind of bubbles up. It begins to kind of take hold. How much of your day do you find yourself worried? Right? We all worry at some point. And how do we begin to deal with it? Because sometimes we can't alleviate the situation. We can't change what's going on. And so, how do we experience God in the midst of our worry? Does it begin to change it, shift it? How do we know we're experiencing God in the worry if we aren't getting what we want in the way that we want it when we want it? So for today, we are going to go to the Gospel of Matthew, and here Jesus is teaching. He is surrounded by people, and he is giving them all kinds of ways to think about how to deal with worry. And on the surface, it may feel like he says, you know, just stop it, just knock it off. But in reality, he is actually giving us some really detailed ways to begin to think about breaking the cycle of where we need to focus our practices of how we can begin to connect with God in such a way that it disrupts our worry. So, let us begin in Matthew six verses sixteen through eighteen. And when you fast, don't put on a sad face like the hypocrites. They distort their faces so people will know they are fasting. I assure you that they have their reward. When you fast, brush your brush your hair and wash your face. When then you won't look like you are fasting to people, but only to your father who's present in that secret place. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. All right, posers. Right, that first thing of posers or having that victim kind of mentality, and when you fast, don't put on a sad face like the hypocrites, like the "woe is me, my life is so hard, look at me." And maybe we've come in contact with people like that. Maybe we're like,、mm, "Yeah, I'm not totally into that." And what does that have to do with worry? But here's the thing, right? Jesus goes into then talking about, okay. If you don't want to be that, you've got to take a different set of practices. You've got to think about something different. Like, how are you spending your time leading up to, right? As they distort their faces, so people will know they are fasting. There's nothing wrong with the practice of fasting, but even leading up to, if you're not doing it for show, then even leading up to it, your practices are going to look a little different. How you approach. Moments, how you approach situations, and so he says, you know, you got to brush your hair, you got to wash your face. There's a different way to approach this moment, and so as we are approaching our day, and we don't know what a day holds, but as we're approaching our day, what are the things that we begin to fill our head with, that we are actually practicing? So think about that when we turn on the TV. The news, the shows, whatever we're binge watching, maybe the radio. What are we listening to? What are we beginning to practice that starts our day, that moves us even through a day? What are the conversations that we have? What are our relationships? How are we practicing our relationships? Because none of those things, like all of those things, can be really good and they can be very helpful. But we have to notice the practices that begin our day, the practices that move us through the day. Are we more like let's put on a sad face, like I hate life, I can't stand, or are our practices kind of moving us through in ways that are helpful? 
Like, are we having conversations about everything that's wrong with the world, about how the world's falling apart, about how you can't believe so-and-so did whatever it was? Do you ever feel yourself more often outraged or angry or the conversations that you have help put you into a cycle of worry? Conversations are so important. They are so vital. They are part, they can be part of experiencing God. And so for us to think about that, what type of conversations do we find ourselves drawn into? What are the conversations that we want to cultivate that actually help in our practice, that actually as situations arise through our day? And then with relationships, we know this. Some relationships are healthy and worthwhile. They actually can help us understand better what it means to love one another, what it means to cultivate a peace and a joy. And then there are the relationships that are toxic, that maybe are unhealthy and we hold on to because of ego or we fear being alone. Those relationships that take energy from us, that just siphon off that energy and leave us feeling empty. And again, in relationship we can experience God but then there are those relationships that maybe the way that we practice or the way that we choose to engage is actually leaving us empty the way that we practice and so to begin to think about that the practices that we have on a regular basis, on a daily, from beginning throughout to the end of the day, how are those practices contributing to our worry or maybe actually helping, kind of disrupting that worry? Because Jesus is going to continue with that in thinking about disruption. Verses 19 through 21. Stop collecting treasures for your own benefit on earth where moth and rust eat them and where thieves break in and steal them. Instead, collect treasures for yourselves in heaven where moth and rust don't eat them and where thieves don't break in and steal them. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Think about this. Stop collecting treasures for your own benefit on earth where moth and rust eat them and where thieves break in and steal them. All right, so here Jesus is like, all right, what are the things that you all hold on to so tight that really aren't that important, that really can disappear? And when we're thinking about worry, what are the things that we worry about that really aren't that important, that maybe really, you know, they're not going to come to fruition of being able to stop and go, what is really important here. What is it that I really value? And we often hear this. We really get this when sometimes tragedy strikes, where it's a flood, it's a fire, it's tornadoes, where a family makes it out of a home, the house is destroyed, and they make it out and they say, we're thankful just to be alive. And so it kind of puts things in perspective. It kind of begins to shift how they're understanding what they value. And for ourselves, when we are worrying, where are we placing our value? What is it that we're worrying about? To really begin to understand that 
And what is it that we value in that that's cultivating the worry that maybe we shouldn't value, that maybe we shouldn't make it so absolutely important? Because he goes on to say, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. A sense of making sure that every day we are focused on what's really important. Because sometimes... Sometimes worries get kicked up for us, and it's not about something that's very important. Now, are there worries that are attached to very important life and death, that loss of relationship, that are very, there are concrete, real consequences, and you are in the midst of? Absolutely. But here, Jesus is really trying to get us to think about those things that maybe we're worrying about, maybe we're valuing that we don't need to. Like we need to set those things aside. Like there are like little extra things. And yet those little things can make our, they can disrupt the peace and joy of our lives, can really have an outsized impact. Continuing on in verses 22 through 24. The eye is the lamp of the body. Therefore, if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you is darkness, how terrible that darkness will be. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be loyal to the one and have contempt for the other. So this kind of hits upon what we started with about the practices and a little bit about, okay, what do we practice that kind of fills our head? But here he's making it even more apparent. Like when we consume certain things, like when we're worrying, when we get that worry kind of kicked up, what are the things that we begin to take in? Who do we search out and talk to? Are we going and talking to someone that's like, oh my God, that's the worst thing ever. Like, how could you think that? And you go wait a minute, I need more of God in this moment. Like, I, I, need, I need more of, and yet the conversation we're having kind of begins to kick up, begins to cultivate more worry. And so what do we begin to fill our heads with when we're in that cycle of worry? Do we consume things that disrupt our thinking, that begin to disrupt and say, wait a minute, I was created out of love for peace and joy. Where is God? Instead of, yes, the world is falling apart. It's just going to get worse. It is bleak. What are we filling our heads with that's kind of not giving a light, uh, a lightness to our lives, but instead is heavy and burdensome? where it becomes like, I can't, I can't find my way forward. And then to, fill, to kind of go along with that, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be loyal to the one and have contempt for the other. It's kind of interesting to think about that. And he goes on to say, you can't serve God and wealth. And it's interesting to think about that example because we see that problem absolutely today that we cannot serve two masters and especially with like greed and power because God's not about any of that. 
And we see how it can destroy people's lives. It can destroy the one who has the greed as well as ripple out and destroy other people's lives. And so to kind of take that back and go, okay, what am I serving? Where do I put my loyalty? Where do I put my time and energy and resources? What does it say about what we serve, what we find important? And especially in the context of worry, right? Because we can serve, we can have loyalty to, we can make, elevate something in importance, and that can be a belief, it can be a perspective, it can be a way of thinking, it can be a person, we can elevate a person, we can elevate ourselves. And so it's kind of one of those, you begin to think about, okay, loyalty. Loyalty is not necessarily a bad thing. And in our region, we actually, we can have those conversations about loyalty that aren't bad. Like if you talk to somebody who has grown up in the Detroit area, you've got Ford, GM, and Chrysler. And there are reasons why people are loyal to each of those. And they can articulate that not a bad thing. And so we have loyalty and we elevate things, but where's the problem becomes is that we begin to give ourselves over so much time and energy to something that we elevate it as the end all be all kind of like that's the last kind of word. And in the context of worry, what are we finding ourselves serving that actually cultivates worry, that actually kind of fuels the worry? What are we consuming, filling our heads with, but what are we valuing that may be contributing to the worry? And so to begin to really kind of think about that, this is about disrupting. Jesus is trying to disrupt the way that people are dealing with their worry and go, wait a minute, what do I really value here? What am I worried about that maybe it won't come to fruition, but what does it say about what I value in life if this is what I am worried about? And so it happens and it can happen to any of us, but Jesus here is just trying to disrupt that kind of thinking. He's trying to give us a way forward that maybe we hadn't thought about before. He's trying to question it because Jesus is all about connecting us to God's love and that he is trying to get all of us to be able to live into that joy and peace. And here's how to begin to do it. Here's how to disrupt the thinking. Here's the practices that we need to consider. We do need to consider what we serve and what we value that maybe we elevate a little too much that maybe has an outsized presence in our lives or a bigger voice than really it should have. And so when we worry, when we feel that worry bubble up to begin to disrupt our thinking and go, wait a minute, what does this worry really say about what I value? And is, is that okay that I value this more than something else? And where's God? Where's God in any of that? How often are we valuing? Going, wait a minute, I'm going to cultivate that peace. I am going to actually, whoop, take a step back, take a breath, and 
go down a different path. It's going to be a little bit uncomfortable. It may require a risk. It's going to require courage. But how often do we need to go, I need a different path? Because the one I'm on, this cycle of worry, it's just draining. It's just taking life instead of giving it. Because here's the thing, Jesus, perfect example, lived it out of how do we give life to one another? How do we give life not just for ourselves, but for all of those around us? How do we cultivate a life that has a very different focus and a different set of practices? Continuing on in verses 25 through 27. Therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life. What you'll eat or what you'll drink or about your body, what you'll wear, isn't life more than food in the body, more than clothes? Look at the birds in the sky. They don't sow seed or harvest grain or gather crops into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than they are? Who among you, by worrying, can add a single moment to your life? Are there real challenges in life of meeting basic needs? Absolutely. And Jesus isn't diminishing that. What he's trying to get us to do and all those around him is to really think, like, have are we worrying about things that really aren't necessary? Like, we need to st- take a step back from and go, is this worry really worth my time and worth my energy? Is this legitimate or is it not? Is this worry something that I need to take seriously, which then means I need to take particular actions? I need to set myself on a different path? Or is this a worry that, you know what, it gets kicked up because that's that's where I spend my time. That's, that's what I kind of fill my head with. It's this kind of the conversations I constantly have. That's that's where I'm kind of stuck. And so Jesus is really trying hard here to disrupt and also to get us to go, what is the real worry? When we feel the worry, what is really the worry here? Because sometimes what's on the surface is not what it is at the very foundation. And so what is it at the very foundation? Is it legitimate? Is it like, yeah, no, that could really happen so that I now need to take other actions? Or is it something that we kind of ruminate on, that we allow to shove aside other things? Is the worry that we have worth our time and energy? Like that's the question Jesus is trying to get us to ask. Is it worth robbing us of peace and joy. Finishing up in verse 28 and then 31 through 34. And why do you worry about clothes? Notice how the lilies in the field grow. They don't wear themselves out with work and they don't spend cloth. Therefore, don't worry and say, what are we going to eat or what are we going to drink or what are we going to wear? Gentiles long for all these things. Your heavenly father knows that you need them Instead, desire first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, stop worrying about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Those last few lines there, right? Each day has enough trouble of its own. (laughs) But this line, 
this line from Jesus, desire first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness. So if we're thinking, okay, how do I continue to, to disrupt? I'm taking a look at my practices. I'm taking a look at my perspective of, of the things that I fill my head with, of the, the things that I'm regularly doing, of how maybe I cultivate, and even understanding what is the real worry here. And here Jesus gives us one more thing about disrupting, about going, wait a minute, we got to figure out a different way, a new way forward. When he says, desire first and foremost God's kingdom. All right, that language of kingdom isn't very helpful for us in our context because we are uh, in a democratic representative kind of society. The people listening to Jesus absolutely are not. They live under the rule of Caesar. And so kingdom is something that encompasses their entire life. And they would understand that, of how Caesar encompasses their entire life. And so we have things that encompass our entire life. And so we have to recognize, is that what encompasses our life? Is that God or is it something else? Which goes into that whole thing about perspective. What is the perspective that encompasses our entire lives that maybe lets us lean more a little towards worry or lets us lean a little more towards God's love, God's peace, God's joy. And so to really take stock here. But then he says something else that's kind of interesting. And God's righteousness. All right. Righteousness just means right action. And so Jesus here is talking about God's right action. And we may be going, okay, well, what is that right action? And just a reminder, right, Jesus is called Emmanuel, God with us, because Jesus is God living with us. And so if we're thinking about what is right action, what is God's right action, we have to know those stories of Jesus. We have to understand, okay, what did you do, Jesus? Oh, you were healing. You questioned, you challenged people in a different way of living. You listened to people. You were encouraging. You loved you responded. So to know those stories of Jesus and to begin to think about that, when we're thinking about our actions, when it's wrapped around worry and the things that we say and the things that we do, how do they begin to reflect Jesus' way? Jesus' way of living, his actions, his teachings. Because that whole thing, right, which we talked about a little bit last week of experiencing God right here and right now, we know it. We know we're experiencing God when we can look at something, when we feel something and go, wait a minute, that, that happened. Like Jesus lived that way. Jesus healed. And when we are part of that, when not only we experience it, but we help others to experience it, we know God's presence is with us. And so to begin to think about that, that as we are in that cycle of worry, as we're kind of shifting and changing, as we're kind of trying to figure out what in the world, how can I disrupt my thinking? What is the action? What is the word? What is the teaching of Jesus that goes, okay, I need to try that out right here, right now. 
Like if we're sitting at home and we are just in our heads and we've got the news on and we all we could do, we can feel that worry and it is just turning over and over again. Who do we need to begin to listen to? What is the conversation we need to go have? Where do we need to go? Wait a minute. You know what? I need some encouragement, but who can I encourage right here, right now? Of maybe I need to go out and be a healing presence. So it's like a, a, a refocusing on our actions, a refocusing on our responses. And so when we feel that worry, which worry is going to come, we all worry and it's going to bubble up in different ways. It's going to be situational. And sometimes it's just going to appear for some kind of reason here. Jesus is trying to give us a way forward, a way to think about it, a way to disrupt it, a way for us to begin to access more peace and joy in our lives, because that's what we were created for. And so whether we are worrying about our relationships, about belonging, about saying the wrong thing, about whether or not we are worried, about, worthy about our jobs, whatever our worry is that gets cultivating, that gets thrown up, that begins to get a little bit faster and faster and feels like it has a little more gravitational force of going, now wait a minute, what do I really value here? What is my perspective that challenges the worry that I have? What is that teaching of Jesus? Where is that healing? How can I be cultivating love for others? And just maybe our own worry will be disrupted. So how will you be challenged by the words, the teachings of Jesus? How you, will you be challenged by this sense of, Wait, there may be another way forward when worry is abundant. How will you be challenged to experience God this day? Amen.